0: Hi friends, you're tuned in to Legal Means Business, a podcast by Leeway. We're joined by some amazing guests who help us identify how to take your legal function and career to the next level. I'm your host, Steph Smith, and we're talking all things legal ops and legal tech, as well as other critical skills needed to help you thrive in the evolving in-house arena. Don't forget, you can watch us on YouTube, or listen on the go through Spotify or Apple podcasts. If you enjoy the conversation, please do hit subscribe and let us know what you think on social.
1: The legal operations function, I think, acts as the connector between legal and the rest of the company. Legal operation teams are building out so large these days; they have whole team staff just for legal billing, just for mm. vendor management, just for you know contract management support. So it's kind of like these little you know pockets of specialized knowledge that helps legal connect to the rest of the business.
0: Legal ops, the mysterious and magical function that is still today misunderstood. What actually is it? What role does it serve to the wider business? How do you build out a successful legal ops function? These are all very valid questions. Questions that we aim to answer in today's conversation with Marie Weidmer. It's full of useful tips to get your legal ops function up and running. So let's dive in. Well, hello, Marie. Welcome hey, to the podcast. <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm excited to,
1: this is my first time doing a podcast, so I'm excited.
0: <laughs> good. Well, we're quite new to it as well, so please do bear with us as we as we get it right, hopefully. <laughs> we're working it out as we go. Um, lovely. So, obviously, we, we've spoken before, so I do know quite quite a bit about you. Um, but it'd be great to understand, because I know you have a bit of a, a bit of a different, um, journey to, to your in-house life, um, and your, your career as such. So it'd be great if you could tell us um, a bit more about that, please. Yeah.
1: Um, I think it was a little bit of an accident, right? I think, you know, <laughs> you, you pick up skills as you're working and you don't really know where that's, where it's going to go. Um, I worked as a litigation paralegal for a long time, kind of organizing case management systems and, and files and working with clients and didn't realize that those transferable skills would pop into this new field and, you know, kind of became apparent to me when I moved back to the Bay Area for law school that there was this uh, this new function coming out on LinkedIn and, you know, kind of starting to see job titles and and uh, picking up pieces of what legal operations was. and started to think oh maybe i can do this (laughs) Mm -hmm. so while i was in law school i kept applying for jobs and i found an entry level role as a contracts manager at a biotech company and once i got in the door and got to get my hands on contracts and contracts management systems and you know organizing repositories and building out processes it really kind of clicked for me that this was a really fun way to do legal Mm -hmm. um And really the only way i wanted to do legal legal after that
0: (laughs) yeah completely i can imagine and so where did that take you to today so from the
1: biotech company um i went to two tech companies uh, pinterest and linkedin and did another couple of short-term contract roles i worked as a contractor during law school for the flexibility Mm -hmm. but that really allowed me to get a real big handle on all the different facets of legal operations so everything from spend management to immigration to contracts management to compliance Um, and I got to try out a little bit of everything which Mm -hmm. is what led me today to Dapper Labs where I'm the lead for contracts management and legal operations.
0: Yeah amazing and obviously like you said you kind of noticed that this was a new kind of area coming being spoken about more and appearing more um, in job positions and the likes. Um, But it certainly feels like there's still a bit of mystery around legal operations. So how would you define legal operations?
1: There is a lot of mystery. I think even today for people in my position applying for jobs, you'll see uh, there's not up until the last year, there really hasn't even been a clear handle on the job title or the job yeah. descriptions. People know they need this role, but they don't know how to articulate it or, or how to kind of compress it into one uh, title. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. I think someone who needs a legal operations person needs a bunch of different things, and they want someone who's uh, agile and flexible and can kind of come in and and handle a lot of projects at the same time. So really, a project manager with kind of a legal background who can do IT, who can do immigration, who can do administrative work, who can do team development work, all sorts of random fun things.
0: Yeah. Amazing. And why is it important for businesses?
1: I think for a long time, legal has kind of been siloed from the rest of the business. Um, But anyone who's worked in house knows that as a member of a legal team, you come into contact with finance, with product marketing, procurement, IT. Uh, in order for you to function with the rest of the company, you have to kind of know their subject matter um, and be your own expert in it as well so that you can work you know, quickly with them and provide mm-hmm. service to them because legal is really a service industry. And I think the recognition in-house, especially that legal needs to be tech savvy and we need to have more efficient processes and we need to speak the language that the rest of the business does is, is, mm-hmm. has become more and more apparent.
0: Yeah, definitely. I always feel like these sort of projects that I imagine you would work on in legal, legal operations is very, almost satisfying when you get to the end of it. And you can see everything's kind of neat and tidy and in in order. I mean, I'm sure it takes a while to get to that point. But I imagine it's quite a satisfying role.
1: Yes, uh, it's it's a slow, slow development. um, But the the reward at the end is is seeing more streamlined process having people be able to figure out the answers to questions before they even have to come to you because there's already well-developed guides, tutorial mm-hmm. videos, you know, a legal team website, all those little things add up and make a big difference.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and what sort of, well, what sort of person or what sort of skills and characteristics would you say um, makes a good legal ops professional?
1: Super curious, I think. Um, I feel really strongly that you don't have to be a lawyer to be a legal operations, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, proficient at legal operations. If you came from a project management background, or an operations background, or an administrative background, you could succeed in this role, because a lot of this Mm -hmm. role is about assessing needs, um, developing a solution, and then just slowly carrying it out. And it's a lot of administrative work, it's a lot of organization. So I think as long as you're curious, and not afraid to kind of do something by yourself and not have kind of a team behind you because you're you're doing something brand new. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's the personality
0: that fits. So curiosity is an essential factor for a successful legal ops function. And there are a few things you can do to develop an inquisitive approach by default. For example, you could carve out a little time every week to prioritize research and reflection or perhaps set a regular slot to meet with other functions across the business to learn how their departments work and hear their experiences, pain points and ideas in relation to your legal ops topics. And of course, practice always asking why to really dig into the root problems that you can solve. Yeah. Cool. And are there any kind of myths around um, legal ops that you hear and that you like like to dispel or any that anything that you hear and you're like, oh that's not legal ops. Oh, they're saying it again.
1: Yeah, I I think I you know, it's it's hard because there's still so little knowledge about legal ops that I don't get a lot of stereotypes put on this role yet. I think Mm -hmm. one of the main assumptions about a legal operations role is that it's just, um, it's strictly a legal administrative role. Like, Mm. if you're in legal operations, you're only doing administrative work for legal teams. And it's so Mm -hmm. much more complex than that. You know, I've had to pick up completely new software skills um, like JIRA or (laughs) figuring out all sorts of things so that I can work well with engineering and IT. Um, I work with HR um, on immigration issues, on onboarding employees, employee manuals. There's really no limit to the number of kind of random adventures this role can take. So it's, uh, I, I think that's what I would say is, I like to steer people away from the idea that it's just strictly an administrative role. It's more of a strategic creative role.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. And is there a lot, you mentioned other teams there, is there a lot of kind of cross-company collaboration required?
1: Yes, yeah. I think uh, this this role that I'm in specifically too, right, um, the legal operations function, I think acts as the connector between legal and the rest of the company. Um, yeah. and as you can see these days in tech companies, if you look at job postings, um, legal operation you know legal operation teams are building out so large these days. They have whole team staff just for legal billing, just mm-hmm. for vendor management, um, just for you know contract management support. So it's kind of like these little you know pockets of specialized knowledge that helps legal connect to the rest of the business.
0: Mm-hmm. for sure. And you touched on it there, um, in terms of building out uh, a legal ops yes. um, or legal operations team. For to be successful and build out a, a, a successful legal ops function, where would you begin?
1: <laughs> I always, every company that I've been at, um, and every kind of contract assignment I've been at, I just really start from the basics. I feel very strongly. I can't stress enough that like. Before you launch into tech, the exciting part, of course, is doing the RFPs, getting the cool technology, rolling yeah. out a system.
0: But it's you have to stuff. have
1: a yeah, <laughs> you have to have a clean slate before you start that work. So, um, for example, in my current role, when I came in to do a contracts management system rollout, one of the first things I have to look at is, do we even have a contracts repository? Um, So where have contracts been running previously? Was there an old system where I can simply download the data and transfer it? Or am I going to have to go through, you know, DocuSign inboxes, email inboxes? It's been different at every company, but you kind of have to have a central knowledge base. So a central repository, and uh, then you can build from there. And second part to that, of course, is really understanding your user's needs. And that requires like hit the ground running with um, setting up meetings with all the cross-functional parties. So whether it's finance, procurement, marketing, product, HR, really understanding how the people in your company have been working to date Mm -hmm. um, and what works and what doesn't. Uh, Because you can't really provide a solution until you kind of have that baseline and understand what has been like the pain, what are the pain points and what are the things that people would rather stick around.
0: Mm-hmm. and it, how easy is that to do <laughs> it depends on your starting point um mm-hmm.
1: you know if, if you're starting at a startup in this particular context then it's going to take a while it's going to take you know three months mm-hmm. of just groundwork getting all the documents together getting a solid relationship built with your stakeholders just kind of getting the lay of the land understanding how things have been running um because you don't want to change needs to happen but it also needs to happen in in an elegant way and Mm -hmm. you really have to take your time and make sure that you're selling yourself and branding your team properly so that when the the systems do get rolled out people see it as a benefit and not um kind of another another task to do in their day-to-day life
0: (laughs) yeah completely and is it who is involved in this project and at what points do you engage the different stakeholders
1: So I guess I could use contracts management as a good example of this project. So in addition to building a contracts repository, which requires talking to people from all across the business because at some point teams can get siloed and keep their own records or things like that. So there's a lot of cross-functional work with that. And then Mm -hmm. another part of it is contracts not only affect the users on the front end who are requesting them, it also affects the finance and procurement and sourcing teams on the back end. Um, as well as IT. So really getting a good sense of how those teams function and what they could benefit from in the contract management process, that's really Mm -hmm. important to me because I want a a clean flow on the front end, but also an efficient process on the back end to make sure that finance isn't doing more work. Mm -hmm. Um, Once the contract is signed, they're getting the data that they need. Ideally, building out a process that's like contract to pay, clean, clean lines all the way through.
0: Stakeholder engagement is the secret to a thriving legal ops function but when working with business people who have less legal experience it can be tricky to engage them and your enthusiasm for new tools and processes. The key is to establish strong cross-functional alignment. To do so you must first identify who your key stakeholders are. Which departments are they, who are the key individuals etc. Then. You should build strong relationships with these people by getting to know who they are, what motivates them, what are their goals, and what challenges do they face on a day-to-day basis. You can then share your own motivations, goals and challenges, and as a result create a network of legal champions across the business who have empathy towards your priorities as a legal team. Once you've fostered this connection, it'll be much easier to identify the needs and the comparable areas for your stakeholders, allowing you to create processes and implement tools that best support all users, both legal and in the wider business. How, in terms of actually building out the functions, what sort of steps would you be taking to do that?
1: So um, one of the things that I do when I come into a company is, and this is a great resource for anyone getting into legal operations, is the CLOC 12 competencies guide. You can Google it and it immediately pulls up the, the cute little graphic um, mm-hmm. kind of with the 12 stages of what make a well-developed legal operations team. And one of the things that I do is run an audit based off of that guide, um, kind of laying the baseline for where we are and and where we will be end of you know year one moving into year two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from there I build kind of a large project map. So for the different functions, whether it's vendor management, contracts management, um, immigration, uh, legal spend management, compliance, corporate governance, like board matters, things like that, I build mm-hmm. out a large spreadsheet and I kind of list out the stages of what it's going to take to get from point A to, to final conclusion. And then I kind of just slowly track it as I move the little pieces across the board.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And again, something I imagine is very satisfying seeing it move, (laughs) moving forward. One one inch at a time. (laughs) Yes, slow but steady. (laughs) Um, And in terms of the the CLOC, the 12 kind of core components um, of legal ops, do you tend to find that certain aspects uh, take longer or certain aspects tend to be in more of a mess uh, than others and and require a bit more attention
1: yeah i i think for me personally in my experience the getting the contracts management piece set up is is one of the most important jobs of the function and it's also one of the most difficult mm-hmm. um, because everyone in the business is tied into contracts and it, whether it's working or whether it's not it's still a sensitive matter um mm-hmm. you know it's hard hard to come into a company where where for better or for worse, there's been a system in place for a couple of years and, and having to kind of retrain the whole company on a new process and a new intake workflow and a new way of doing things. It can cause some concern. Um, it can cause some frustration. So it's, it's a delicate process.
0: So you mentioned you, first of all, you do the audit using kind of working through the, the 12 core components and then you um, meet with the key stakeholders and work out. What works and, and what doesn't. What does that phase look like? How, how do you go about it? Is it a workshop, a, a meeting? Um, what does it look like? I like to
1: start out with um, either in person or video call meetings, um, mm-hmm. you know, 30 to 45 minutes with one team member or two, um, all within the same function. And I just like to sit down with a pen and paper, a little old school, and just ask what's working and what isn't, kind of Mm -hmm. allow them a platform to vent if -hmm. they need to, because that's how I get the best information. Yeah. And then from there, that helps me plan. Um, As I go through the process of implementing tools and and launching, so for example, launching a contracts management system um, that people are going to be using on the day-to-day, I get feedback as the tools rolling out using beta testers Mm -hmm. and after the tool has rolled out in that 30 to 90 day period i usually try to send out a survey asking Mm -hmm. you know for feedback on what's working and what isn't
0: yeah cool and do you tend to to get quite a lot of feedback i do Yeah,
1: um, specifically, especially with contract management, because that's the most forward facing of the legal operations roles um, mm-hmm. or, or pieces, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, positive and negative feedback and and people do feel strongly about the tools that affect their day to day life. Um, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: I try to take it all and, and incorporate it and make it as best as possible.
0: Yeah, cool. So we've done the audit, we've engaged the, the stakeholders and kind of worked out what's, what's been working and what's not, um, what's next? Well, besides implementation,
1: building out the tool itself, which is kind of a very singular solo activity, um, actually getting in the tool itself, um, building out workflows, setting up the repository in the, in the tool, uh, those mm-hmm. are kind of confined to legal operations, but. Part of that process of building out the tool is building out training materials, and that's mm-hmm. recording videos, building a website, writing standard operating procedures. those Those pieces of it take several iterations. And I ask mm-hmm. for feedback from lots of people in the company, whether it's the business stakeholders who are going to be reading it, whether it's mm-hmm. my own legal team members, finance. it's It's important to rewrite those over and over again to make sure that they're perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. Cool. That makes sense. And um, taking it just one step uh, before as well, the kind of RFP uh, phase, what does that look like and how do you go about that?
1: Yes. Apologies on that. I missed that
0: step. Oh No worries. You um, mentioned it earlier. It's just why I remember. Yeah, <laughs> take,
1: Taking the feedback from the stakeholders, I usually make a list of the top 10 to 15 things that I really want out of a tool. Um, In this case, when I did my RFP at Dapper, I made a spreadsheet and it Mm -hmm. had a kind of a column, almost as if you were going to buy something for yourself personally, right? Like you're going to go buy a car. What are all the features that you want in the car? And from there, I took that spreadsheet and I went from vendor to vendor. And as I worked through demos Mm -hmm. and read materials from each vendor, I kind of checked off. Um, did a big like comparison chart like who is offering the most for the money who is offering these number of features what are my deal breakers what are things I could let go Mm -hmm. of in favor of another benefit Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's that's how I kind of narrowed it down to my top two and then from there really going back and doing detailed demos and thinking about how is this tool going to impact people's day-to-day life for better or for worse?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and then making my decision from there. And it can come to a lot of things, right? Like it could be whether the tool has the most sophisticated implementations, whether it has the best AI, um, whether it has the best user interface. Mm-hmm. Those those kind of big points that end up making your decision for you are really based on the company you work at and. Mm-hmm and your user so if you're at a bigger company with more sophisticated trained users you might want to invest in a tool that has ai and allows you to do a lot of cool things with the data on the back end because you know your users are going to be um a little bit more adaptable with Mm -hmm. however the user interface is on the front end um if you're just starting at a startup if you've got brand new users who have never seen a contracts management tool before um you want to go with the most user friendly interface possible, reduce friction, make it a positive experience, uh, you know, shorten the learning curve.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And in terms of the learning curve, you mentioned making, you know, training videos or um, workshops and things like that. How do you kind of manage that process? And does it take more than the initial? Oh, we've um, we've rolled this out. Here's what you do. What does that process, what does that phase look like?
1: It takes a lot longer than a lot of the other phases because mm-hmm. I, I want it to be a gradual, happy transition. In, mm-hmm. in my mind, if the transition isn't going well, it's, it's solely the fault of the legal operations person because you're only as good as your training materials. So if you start to roll out a tool and your users are frustrated, experiencing friction, then you're gonna have to go back and rework your materials and make sure that you're servicing them. Properly, um, mm-hmm. it could mean that you know your videos or your materials just weren't written in the right perspective and weren't clear enough to them as the user. Mm-hmm. So it takes a lot of a lot of iterations before I can publish and, and launch training materials to make sure that they're exactly right. And then from there, it's it's not a simple I'm going to train you and the next day you're going to be in the tool process. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to give give at least a month or yeah. <laughs> I like to give at least a month or two between the old system and the new system just to work out the kinks, have all the right conversations, allow people to gradually flow into the new process um, before kind of, quote unquote, closing down the old one.
0: So there is some upfront work required when setting up a legal ops function, but the ROI for both the legal department and the business is well worthwhile. To set up a legal ops function from scratch, there are six key steps. 1. Conduct an audit, to explore how things are currently done, for example using the clock 12 core competencies. 2. Meet with your key stakeholders, for instance in finance, procurement and sales, to understand their needs as well as what currently works well and what doesn't. 3. Organise and plan. Identify how you can deliver better results with regards to your contracts repository, e-signature platform, outside counsel database, etc. What's it going to take to get from A to B? Four, build the foundation. This is a manual piece of work for the legal professional that involves getting your ducks in a row. For example, cleansing your data and information, storing it in the right place, and drafting up whatever processes you are able to at this stage. 5. RFP for tech. When you understand the problems that you're trying to solve, get more information on your potential tech solutions. Also think about the 10-15 to things you're looking for in a tool, which are essential and which would you be willing to compromise on, if any. 6. Implement the tech. Doing this well is absolutely critical if you're to reap the benefits. Provide videos and guides and training and ensure that it's designed with the business users in mind. I imagine there's quite a variety of people using uh, these tools across the business. And I imagine again, correct me if I'm wrong at the, in the earlier phases, you're maybe only checking or speaking with a number of people. And then at the end, lots of people are using it. How can you create buy-in and get people engaged with this new tool to keep, to make sure they keep using it sustainably?
1: Um, one of the ways that you can get by is to make sure that it it has a larger impact than just facilitating contract workflows. Mm-hmm. So a contracts management tool that can integrate with um, a procurement tool or can, can integrate with the AP tool, that creates sustainability because it's ensuring that um, when users get a contract, they're also going to get their invoices paid, um, mm-hmm. creating kind of a one-stop shop. Just like if you implement a tool for legal spend management, the the tool should also do the intake for you. It should do the data for you. It should be running numbers showing how much legal is spending on an annual basis per matter type or per, per vendor type. Um, the tools these days allow the vendors actually to start dropping their invoices indirectly. So picking tools that take the whole process and kind of automate it are the ways to create sustainability because if you bring in a tool that still requires some manual kind of work on the front end or the back end, it's harder to sell because Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're bringing a solution to a piece of the puzzle, but not the whole puzzle. Mm -hmm. So that's the important part is to make sure that you're, you're servicing the whole function and that you're also connecting to the other functions in the company. Um so for example if I implement a legal spend management tool I'm going to make sure it integrates with our ap function so that way like once I've approved a legal invoice that came in from a law firm in this tool it's automatically going to spit itself into the ap mm-hmm. tool so that ap doesn't have to do any work to get it and I don't have to do any work to send it yeah um, and that's how you ensure you kind of ensure the permanence of that tool at that point because it 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 does the work for itself.
0: <laughs> yeah, completely. And I imagine this all, all of these processes and things, any uh, processes or systems that legal ops um, implement really help a company scale or be scale scale ready.
1: Yeah, if, if legal ops has done their job right, then then they should be behind the scenes, helping things flow, helping things stay managed, but they shouldn't have to if you're if you've done your job right and you set up the system right and you set up the trainings and the programs right it should be self-service it should mm-hmm. be that you go to the legal website you can clearly see the articles clearly see the videos um there's you know a self-service channel to go to and it should be simple enough that any user can read the guide get access enter the tool and 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 work for themselves
0: hmm yeah,
1: and that that reduces friction. It it helps the company scale. It saves a lot of money and time, and and keeps things moving.
0: <laughs> yeah, and keeps people happy. Yeah. Yeah, generally nicer experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, better experience. And then on the back end, from a you know kind of a risk management and a safety perspective too, when you have these tools in place, you have the data. Mm-hmm. Like for example, before you have a contracts management tool, do you really know all the vendors in the company that you're working with? Um, Do you know how much you've spent per year in contracts? Do we know how much we've saved? Do we, for example, when COVID hit, um, if my company hadn't had a contracts management tool in place, how would we have known all of the vendors that we had open event agreements with that needed to be canceled? Or how Mm -hmm. would we have found all those force majeure clauses and been able to renegotiate them? Mm -hmm. So um, getting those getting those tools and getting a handle on that data at the very early stages of the company ensures that when the company is large and there is a problem that it's Mm -hmm. not too late at that point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, completely. And on that point, is is there a specific time or a certain time in a company's life uh, or a legal functions life that they should be implementing or thinking about these things? in in my experience
1: i think when a company is hitting series b and series c and you're hiring a general counsel or a chief legal officer and you're hiring you know your primary attorneys right you're hiring an attorney for product or an attorney for compliance um i think in that time frame you should also be thinking about who is going to help strategize the development of your team who's going to build out tools that's really when legal operations should come in Mm -hmm. and the role grows as the team grows so the role can start as you know an administrative service to the team getting the team organized for example when i came in in my role one of the first things i was doing was building a team website Mm -hmm. um you know getting a handle on the manual ticketing process that we had getting a handle on the repository kind of providing a lot of organization and structure to the team and then then as the team grows we can start to grow into the more sophisticated RFPs for tools and, and getting, you know, kind of segmented functions for legal spend and immigration and board management and all those things.
0: Mm -hmm. Cool. And are there any, um, key challenges that tend to arise? I think
1: one of the things that I I would love to see, I, I know even as myself, right, in legal operations, I am constantly trying to find articles on LinkedIn to just learn more about change management. Um, Mm -hmm. this role involves a lot of change management and it's, Mm -hmm. it's not a skill that kind of comes innately innately. Um, it's, it's a difficult one. It's, it's difficult Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're excited about your tools and your processes and you love what you do. Um, as I think many of us in this profession do, there's still this skill where you need to know how to communicate it to people who who have uh, a completely different perspective and a completely different job function. And, And it's, it's a, it's an ever evolving skill for me in the last couple of years. Um, That to me is the hardest part of the job is, Mm -hmm. is really knowing how to communicate things about the legal team and the legal function in a way that is, you know, translatable and exciting for the rest of the company.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes total sense. Yeah, it's a great point. And it's, yeah, known to be very tricky. So. But you're obviously doing a, a very good job of it, of it. So that's good. I'm trying. <laughs> um, and then I suppose just lastly to, to finish up, um, how do you think the legal ops function will evolve in the years to come?
1: I think it's going to get bigger and bigger. I think I've even seen it, I think, as I touched on earlier. Um, I see job postings all the time, right? Like I see uh, fellow you know, peers and colleagues on LinkedIn taking on these really specified legal ops functions, you know, Mm. there's, there's now it's legal operations, comma, vendor management, legal operations, Mm. comma, legal billing, it's becoming very, I think the industry is starting to recognize that like, legal operations can be its own department. And Mm. and it can service a bunch of different functions in the company. So you're not just going to have one legal operations person, you're going to have someone for billing, someone for immigration, someone for board management, someone for contracts management, um, and just keeping it segmented like that. I think it's gonna continue to grow.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, it's exciting times. Yeah. <laughs> Good to be part of. Cool, well, thank you so much. Um, I don't know if we, if, is there anything else you'd like to add or if you feel we've missed? no I think uh, we we covered a lot (laughs) yeah definitely and thank you so much there's loads of useful tips in there especially actionable points around how people can build out their their legal ops function so that's super good so thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it